Welcome to Best True Crime Podcast, a division of Best True Crime Books, Games, and Video, LLC. I'm your lead investigator on this case, Judith A. Yates, award-winning true crime author, a criminologist, and a paranormal explorer. Every episode is an investigation where you and I explore true crime, forensics, historic cases, dark history, and criminal theory. We discuss the cases, share information, no chatter, no commercials, no off-topic. Now, grab your crime scene kit, a notebook, and your favorite hat. This is Best True Crime Podcast. The time is the mid-1950s, the place, New Mexico. We're on the Mescalero Apache Reservation in New Mexico. And over there, we see an old Indian woman. We learn she's probably about 90 years old. They call her Old Mrs. Cooney. Old Mrs. Cooney is married to a former Apache scout. She is not like the other women on the reservation, young or old. She is dressed in traditional tribal wear, and while the other Indians are forgetting their native tongues, this old woman refuses to speak English. The old woman goes nodding and shuffling along, and we turn back to the task at hand. Speaking to that old woman would be like turning back pages in a history book. Old Mrs. Cooney's true name is Tadatse. Once, she was one of the most fierce Apache warriors on the Western Plains. She is what her ancestors call a two-spirit. This is her story. Tadatse was a member of a band of Apaches, a warrior, mother, wife, and two-spirit, one of the most fierce warriors of her time. She was of the Mescalero, residing west of the Texas Panhandle. The Mescalero were nomadic, roaming the southwestern plains. She was born around 1860. The Apache had no specific roles depending by sex or body type. Women could easily become a caretaker of the tribe, a medicine woman, a warrior, depending on their skills and interests. Tadatse became a warrior. She was not meant to be one of the tribe's female cooks, spending the day with pots and pans and minding all the children. She lived in the wickiup, the round hut made of brush and animal hide, but she was not a woman who stayed inside the camp. Tadatse was born into a people who were experts in guerrilla warfare, exceedingly skilled horsemen. The Apache had a reputation, instilling the most fear in the Mexican people, settlers and cavalry troops than any tribe. Their nomadic lifestyle and absolute fearless fighting made them a hard target, and Tadatse was in the forefront to ensure that reputation stayed. Tadatse grew to be a beauty, her jet black hair parted severely in the center and falling past her shoulders. She had dark almond-shaped eyes and very strong features. But she was not only admired for her looks. When most other girls were learning child care, cooking, gathering food, Tadatse was gaining respect for her riding, fighting, and her hunting skills. She was a natural shot, an excellent horsewoman before she was even in her teens. Few men dared her to a physical fight. But she preferred to dress in feminine wear, taking care of her appearance. Yes, even on raids. And Tadatse was a parent. She had children, and she took care of them just as easily as she rode a horse and shot a gun. 
Often, she was joined by a female warrior named Lozen. Lozen was a prophet and the sister of Victorio, a very prominent chief. These women are considered two of the greatest warriors in the history of the Apache. Tadatse was what author Cristoso Apache calls a two-spirit. Biographies on Lozen and Tadatse are sparse in detail. Their attachment to each other and the resemblance of their close friendship to a lesbian butch femme relationship has elevated the couple to iconic status in the Two-Spirit community. The Two-Spirit peoples are orientation and gender-variant Native Americans who possess both the spirit of a strong man and a strong woman. An online article called Apache Warrior Women at NewMexicoNomad.com tells us that the Apache resisted U.S. and Mexican encroachment on their homelands and depredation of their people long after the other tribes succumbed. American settlers moved into the territory in annual waves, with homesteaders, ranchers, and prospectors pushing deep into Apache homelands. The U.S. Army established more forts and more outposts to defend the deluge of people arriving from the east. The displacement after the Civil War provided an endless supply of troops. One of those Apache who was fighting back was Tadatse. The Mexican and U.S. cavalrys just kept coming, forcing the natives out of their territory without regards to treaties or agreements. Treaties were made, agreements were made, and just as quickly broken. Apache tribes were massacred or enslaved by the thousands. If they were not murdered, they were rounded up like wild animals and plopped down onto a reservation. Here, children were abused by teachers and leaders for speaking their native tongue. Clothing was purposely changed to white people style, and thick, long hair was chopped off or shorn. The Indians received government-rationed food and forced to learn the ways of a new life, a new way to work, and a new way to communicate. The reservation was where customs and lifestyles went to die. Tadatse held on to the Apache life. As a young lady, she galloped her horse across the open plains of southeastern Arizona. She rode along Cochise's band. She was also a strong ally in raiding parties. She would join her first husband, killing, maiming, and taking of the enemy's possessions usually herds of horses, food, utensils for daily living, and, yes, enemies fell dead in her wake. Tadatse was born to be a warrior. But the life the Apache had lived for thousands of years was just disappearing. Tadatse probably saw where the future of the Apaches was going, and she was intelligent to know fighting only cost lives and liberty. The tribal numbers were dwindling, more and more were resigned to survive on the reservation. So she joined in on negotiations with the white man, working for peace between her people, the white settlers, and the cavalry. The U.S. military even trusted Tadatse as a mediator and also as a scout for the cavalry. In return, like so many non-whites, she trusted the treaties and believed negotiations would be fair. And like so many non-whites, she was tricked and manipulated. Tadatse had the distinction of writing with Geronimo. Tadatse and her family were part of the tribe Geronimo led from the San Carlos Reservation on May 17, 1885. This final group of resistors stayed on the run from the U.S. Cavalry for three years 
outwitting thousands of troops and even scouts from their own tribe. To ensure no other Indians would follow, the U.S. government imprisoned 400 of Geronimo's people from the San Carlos Reservation, shoved them into cattle cars, and sent them by train to Fort Marion in St. Augustine, Florida. People from 99 to less than a year old were now legally imprisoned. By 1886, Geronimo realized his attempts to live free were just futile. His small band of renegades were sick, they were tired, and they were exhausted from constantly being on the run. Tadatse was as intelligent as she was fearless. She was fluent in Spanish, English, her native tongue. She could act as messenger and as translator. Geronimo handpicked Tadatse to stand at Geronimo's side to assist in the negotiations of his final surrender in 1886. The once great warrior was now a politician, and she was good. Words like sophisticated and well-dressed were used by the whites to describe Tadatse. She spoke carefully and intelligently. She could turn a word as easily as loading a gun or taming a wild horse, and so the Apache tribe prepared for change. The U.S. government negotiators told the tribal group Geronimo had escaped the reservation with his tribe, which was illegal. It was an infraction that just couldn't be ignored. The U.S. officials asked the tribe to go into exile for two years on an Indian reservation in Florida. Once the two years had passed, the group would be returned to their New Mexico homelands, they were told. Here, Geronimo and Tadatse were promised they could live freely again. Well, on the New Mexico reservation, they could live freely, but they would be with their families and their tribes. It was agreed. Two years on a Florida reservation, and then back home. And they also believed that this reservation would be clean, neat, taken care of. After all, that's what they were told. The U.S. Army shipped Tadatse, along with Lozen, Geronimo, and the rest of the Apache, to St. Augustine, Florida. The Indians were packed into cattle cars, as many as could fit, to begin this long trip south. A few stops were made for basics, and they were allowed out of the cars. One photo exists of Tadatse and Lozen together. The train had stopped in Texas, and the group of Apache are sitting together on an incline. The women sit close to one another, two of these some 350 exiled people. Tadatse's hair is unkempt, and she's dirty. Her expression is one of defeat. She is not the Tadatse who rode the plains on a wild horse. The group is expecting to arrive to a clean, safe reservation as promised. Instead, they were dropped into the Fort Marion prison and forced manual labor. Tadatse and Lozen, along with those who lived during the transport, were imprisoned for eight years in Fort Marion. <laughs> Pneumonia wiped out many, and tuberculosis killed even more. Tadatse lived through both. A few years later, and the group was transferred to Mount Vernon Barracks in Alabama, another hellhole of filth, disease, and starvation. Lozen died here of TB and buried in a mass grave. Next, Tadatse was among of about 296 men, women, and children imprisoned as military prisoners in Fort Sill, Oklahoma, and there she remained a captive for 19 years.
according to an online article in the SouthernArizonaGuide.com called Powerful Apache Warrior Women, Lozen Antidotse, the government freed the surviving 300 or so Apache and gave them the choice to remain at Fort Sill, Oklahoma with a small stipend or move to the Mescalero Apache Indian Reservation in New Mexico. Tadatse chose Mescalero. Tadatse was one of the few allowed to return to New Mexico to join the Mescalero Apache Reservation in 1913. This is where she was interviewed by history author Eve Ball, who would later write, I could hardly believe my good fortune in being permitted to know this courageous woman. Eve then noted, Tadatse, to the end of her life, mourned Lozen. And this is where one of the greatest Apache warriors, a two-spirit, revered linguist and negotiator, spent the last years of her life as old Mrs. Cooney. Tadatse died in 1955. She was about 95 years old. Hey everybody, I'm Judith A. Yates, true crime author, criminologist, and I support PFLAG. That's parents, families, and friends of LGBTQ, also known as PFLAG. The PFLAG chapter network provides confidential peer support, education, and advocacy to LGBTQ and people, their parents, and families, and allies. PFLAG chapters are in communities in all 50 states, the District of Columbia, and Puerto Rico. PFLAG has been saving lives, strengthening families, and changing laws since its founding in 1973. PFLAG is the first and largest organization dedicated to supporting, educating, and advocating for LGBTQ and their families. PFLAG works to create a caring, just, and affirming world for LGBTQ and those who love them. You can learn more about PFLAG at www.pflag.org. Thank you for joining me on this investigation, exploring true crime, forensics, historic cases, dark history, and criminal theory. This is Best True Crime Podcast. No chatter, no commercials, no off-topic. I do hope you will subscribe. This podcast runs off donations only. You can drop us a donation, $35 or more, and I'll send you a signed book. Just go to www.besttruecrime.com. My name is Judith A. Yates, award-winning true crime author, a criminologist, and a paranormal explorer. Thank you for joining me on Best True Crime Podcast, a division of Best True Crime Books, Games, and Video, LLC. Be safe out there.